Hello everyone, this is Isaac Petrie. Welcome to the podcast. Be ready to be encouraged and enlightened as we discuss spiritual solutions for everyday life. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to Kingdom Conversations. This is Isaac and Iron. How you doing, man? He's getting ready. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody's doing well, and uh, um, we're going to get started here in just one second. I tell you, Iron, you have been preaching the word of God at Christ Nation's church. Like you, man. only you can do it. And, uh, and so we're going to dive right on in. And <clears throat> there's something that has been on my heart that I want to um, start to address. You know, this is kingdom conversations. And once again, are you, you're coming from your phone, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I, I had to come. Yeah. Yeah, because we're clicking again. You got to yeah. get rid of that phone. No. <laughs> you need you you need another phone. You need another phone. Uh yeah, I don't know why that that does that. And this is the only thing I've it, it ever does this on. I okay. never have these problems. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, so those that I have to deal with this clipping noise and and we we apologize for you. Um um for it. Um, uh, I want to say we apologize to you for it, but try to get with us for just a moment and um, we won't be long. He he was supposed to have gotten rid of that phone. Um, <laughs> listen, we've been talking about uh, just when you look at some things in the earth and the title of this is Guarding the Foundations, because I want to talk about just a few things regarding the foundations <clears throat> that we are dealing with being shifted. And I think it's important that the church starts to engage in a very, very serious, outspoken way in protecting the foundations that have been laid by God, because these foundations are under attack. That is the thing that is new and different with what you see on the earth today is that foundations are being destroyed. So here's a verse in Psalms number 11, verse number three. It says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? In other words, the, the, the things that uphold what is right, what is righteous, what God has determined as right, wrong, if those things be destroyed that hold together a, a person, a family, a, a nation, if those things are destroyed, then what can the righteous do. What is happening is the spirit of Antichrist is coming after the foundations, and we have got to stand and protect these foundations. And so talk just a little bit from that scripture, and then we're going to go into the discussion about some of these foundations that we cannot let the enemy destroy. 
Um, I mean, I, I think uh, I think the word kind of speaks for itself. I mean, I think we are in a time where we're dealing with so many different um, so many different things that are kind of coming together, opposing the foundations of what we know to be true in the Word of God, and um, and and if we if we do allow ourselves to kind of drift into this kind of postmodern world and, and we continue to entertain these things, um, like it says, what will the righteous be able to do? What can we what can we accomplish in a world in which the foundations upon which we're we're founded are being uprooted and destroyed? And and those foundations uh, are not just important for us in the church. They're important for society, period. They're important for civilization as a whole. All of the institutions that we have, from education to government, you name it, uh, without these biblical institutions, without the the influence of the moral, you know, structure that the Bible gives us, then what are we going to build? You know, how are we going to to survive? And so, like I said, I think that verse of scripture is so self-explanatory. It kind of lays it out there for you, even in the reading of it. It preaches for you. Um, so yeah. Okay. Well, it piggybacks right in the New Testament off that where Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24, therefore, whosoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Mm. And then it talked about when the rains came and the floods of sin, the winds blew, that that house that was founded on a rock basically did not fall. But everything else yeah. that was not built on the rock came tumbling down. So if the foundation, everybody knows that if a foundation of anything starts to crumble, then whatever is built on it, whatever has been erected, is coming crashing down. And mm -hmm. this is what the enemy is after. The winds are blowing now. The rains are coming. And those things which are built on foundations of right righteousness, the word of God, are being absolutely challenged. And we have got to guard the foundations because if, 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 we, if he gets the foundation, then everything else is coming down. Oh, yeah. And so let's talk about the foundations, because the first foundation we want to talk about that we've got to guard way back in Genesis chapter number one. Mm. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and earth and set things in order. Genesis one twenty six, then God said, let us make man. According to our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. Then it gets down to verse number 27. So, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So the first, the, the, I want to break this down in guarding these foundations because the spirit of Antichrist, it's systematically trying to strip the very identity of the creative order of God. First of all, I want to deal with male and then I want to deal with female and then I want to deal with marriage and then I want to deal with children and the family. The reason we're seeing everything starts to 
humble in this society is because the enemy has been able to attack the foundation. And the foundation, according to God, starts with a man, a man in the image of God, a man in the likeness of God, and a man that has been called to be the head of a family. So you get a man, you get the head of a family, you get the head of a, of a, of a community, you get the head of a city, you get the head of a state, you get the head of a nation. So if I can get to the man and attack that foundation, everything that is supposed to be built on him will come tumbling down. And I believe, you know, that's why the Bible says that, you know, that the last prophecy was I'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. What we're seeing in the earth today is the results of a crumbling foundation of manhood. And not only just a man, but attacking the very maleness of a man. Mm. And that's what at the end of the day, the whole homosexual movement is about. It's about the enemy coming after the identity of the maleness of a man. The other attacks are about, about the image and the character of, of a man, removing the godness out of him, and then number two, moving the maleness out of him. Those two things, the enemy has been chipping and chipping and chipping away. And if that foundation is destroyed, what? What what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. Man, are you asking me? Or are you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm throwing it to you because I, <laughs> I, I could talk all about it, but I want to pause to give you a moment because that foundation, that foundation, that foundation mm -hmm. is coming under attack. No, no doubt about it. Uh, and it's been happening for quite some time. You know, it, it's, it's real. It's real unique uh, because. Uh, when you look in the scripture and you and you you go to Genesis one, as you did, and you look at what the Bible says about how God created man in his image, <clears throat> male and female created he them. And when you look at the word for male, I believe it is the Hebrew word zakar. And it, it means uh, to call to memory. It means to remind. It means to uh, it, it's, it's, it, it actually means the word memorial. Because that's what a memorial is, you know. We, we've we're in this time now where people are pulling down statues and memorials and so forth and so on, and we erect memorials because memorials are a reminder of the existence of a person or the existence of a movement or the existence of something that they they symbolized or or something or other. And so, a memorial keeps someone or something in memory. And uh, when you look at the mail. The Bible says that the male is the glory of God. Uh, it, it's, it's, real, it's real unique to see parallel with this attack on maleness. Uh, also with this, this movement to kind of remove God from society's institutions. Because I think the male is supposed to be a living memorial to the Father God. He's supposed to be a living memorial to him. He's supposed to call, just like my son, he should call me to mind as he gets older and grows up. When you see him, 
you'll see me. Jesus said the same thing. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That there is a, a modeling and a calling to remembrance that the male is supposed to play a role in uh, in society. Uh, he is supposed to be a symbol of, of the presence of God, the person and character of God. He's supposed to be this walking memorial and emblem. And one of the things that happens is, is when you start seeing the male removed from the home, removed from the head of a home, considered uh, as an option and not a necessity kind of, uh, you know, the male kind of considered something that can or cannot be. Well, you see also that keeping in pace with that is the loss of, of a consciousness of God in the earth as well. Now, one may say those, those things don't seem like they're, they're connected, but I really believe they are because God uses the man to show a certain facet of his nature, just, just as the woman does. And uh, if we continue to try to redefine maleness and redefine what it should symbolize, what it should display, what it should show us, then you also start to mar the image of God because man was created in his image and after his likeness. You start to kind of start, sort of mar how you see God. And so much so to the point that they're even they have these ideas now, you know, new agers and people this kind of this new spiritualism and whatnot, where, you know, is God a male? He's a female. Is he is he this, that or the other? They want to call God she. <laughs> they want to they want to do all kinds of things. And so ultimately, these things never stay uh, compartmentalized. They're always ultimately aimed because they're satanic in their origin. They're always ultimately aimed at marring the image of God, because if I can keep the creation from seeing God truly, purely, and completely the way he is, I can keep them out of salvation. I can keep them out of the purpose for which God created them. And so it's Satan's way of, of putting up a firewall, if you would, uh, between God and man. And he does it by trying to redefine these things, redefining roles, redefining what gender actually means, redefining uh, whether uh, the necessity of a man in his place that God gave him a place, God gave him a particular function, God anointed him and wired him differently than the female. You know, when we look at the body of the male and the female, I say this to people all the time, when you look at a man and you look at a woman, and of course their anatomy, their bodies are completely different, um, that difference in body is a physical representation to asymmetries that exist even beyond the physical that a man is emotionally wired different, mentally wired different. He's spirit, he, they are both spirit beings, but they're wired different because they were intended to have a different function in society. It's no different that your iPad is wired different than your vehicle. Why? It has a totally different function, totally different purpose. And so it is between men and women. And when we try to erase these asymmetries and say, no, they're the same, we can, they're interchangeable, then we start getting into messing up the purpose of God for man and woman in the earth. And so the family is going to suffer. Every institution that we're involved in is going to suffer because when you start redefining maleness, you start taking out of the male that unique asymmetrical component he was supposed to display. And then the same thing with the woman. If you start trying to redefine femininity, you take away from her those unique traits that femininity was supposed to provide in society and in creation. And so it's a very slippery slope. It's a very dangerous thing. And I think it's one of the reasons why you turn on your television and there is massive amounts of confusion and people don't know, uh, they, they kind of don't even know where they fit anymore in the world. They don't even well, know where they fit anymore in life. And, 
And that is that is the church's fault. And and let me explain that. If you just joined us, just forgive us for a little technical difficulty. Um, we apologize for it. Hopefully, we won't be able to to have these issues anymore. Um, but we're talking about if the foundations be destroyed and having to guard the foundations that the enemy is coming after. One of the things that has been moving. There's always been sin. There's always been right and wrong. Mm -hmm. But the foundations were not altered. What is happening now is we're altering the foundations. Oh, yeah. Instead of saying, okay, that wall might be crooked or, you know, that might not be built right. We might need to tear that down or remodel that or we might need to adjust that. And, but leave the foundation alone, leave truth alone. What we're doing now is we are now trying to redefine the foundation. And so when I say the church is at fault, it's because here back when the homosexual movement, and I said movement, because there's a difference. There's homosexuality as a lifestyle where people struggle with their sexual identity and struggle with their sexual passions. And then there is a movement. And when the movement started, I saw the church starting to do something that, that, that it's doing right now with a lot of other stuff. It started in a way of trying to be inclusive and that we're not against people they they didn't come out against the movement. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between people struggling with individual issues and then a movement to make this normal or to make this lawful or to make this, you know, uh, acceptable. And because the movement is designed to tear down the foundation and the identity of what a man is. And the church started backing up and acquiescing because we didn't want to come across abrasive and we wanted to come make sure that we came across loving and caring, but we did not understand that this is the spirit of antichrist. People who are struggling with these things don't need your acceptance. They need truth. They need deliverance. They're really crying out for it in of course, there's a way to minister to people in a way that is loving and kind and caring, but it can never be acceptable. It, and we begin in the church to begin to have these conversations. We begin to evolve. We begin to say, well, how can I tell that person they can't serve because they have that passion and that? And what they don't understand is this is the spirit of Antichrist. I don't know where the church is getting so smart that we are we are starting to to uh, accept things that are blatantly against God's word on all levels. And then try, and we've been sucked into this vortex of the spirit of antichrist in the age. And we're allowing the enemy to strip the foundation so that now little boys who were born male, now they, you're changing their whole 
identity. They can they can identify one day as a man and the next day as a woman. And then I'm going to raise my son as a as a as a woman and all these things in the church doesn't understand that these things are coming to our front door, which is why they begin to get civil rights protections behind this, because they're coming after anything that defies this. And we're going to look up one day. And if you tell somebody, no, 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 that's not God's, uh, that's not God's will. God made you a male then you could find yourself coming under extreme persecution, if not legal issues, if we don't wake up and start to guard these foundations. And I'm telling you that thing, if we don't fight for maleness and manhood and the image of a man, and if we don't teach it and ground it and reground it, we're going to lose everything that's supposed to be built on that man. Because if the foundations start crumbling, everything is coming down. And now you're starting to see the woman come down. Mm -hmm. So talk just a little bit about that, too, because now we're losing the woman as a foundation. Because now you've got all of these other things coming into this whole transgender movement. Not a person struggling with it, but a movement is what we have to resist. And so now you've got this whole thing coming. And, um, and now it's not just LGBTQ, it's now LGBTQ+. And it's going to keep moving and keep moving and keep moving and keep moving until the church stands up and stops it. So talk just a little bit about the woman and then we'll move into the child, which uh, impacts the whole family. Well, I think what you see in both, uh, I think what you see in both the man and the woman is really this, the same thing because what, what really is afoot here is an attack on absolutes. What is absolute? Foundations, right. Yeah, foundation. What is absolute truth? And so once you once you remove the line of what is absolute, where do you where do you then arbitrarily redraw it? So this is why you so have person's individual preference. Exactly. So is, is where you go and where you don't want to be held to any standard that is absolute and foundational. Therefore, you become the person that decides based on where you feel, yeah. you know? So feelings, so in essence, you replace, and, and this is the tricky part about it. See, so in essence, you replace absolute truth that we have for centuries believed came from a biblical source, came from God. We got, we got our absolutes from him. You replace that as the, the, the foundation for absolutes, and now your feelings become absolute. So now, so now the way you feel becomes the 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 true. authority. Yeah, right? the way you yeah. feel becomes true. It it deter it, your feelings become truth. Now it it becomes the determining factor for what is true. So you can't ever escape something being an authority. Something's going to be the authority. Something's going to be the means by which you draw the line. And this is why you see, as you you pointed out, to go back to something you said about LGBTQ, then it's I. Uh, I believe A plus, and, and it just keeps going on. 
But the reason it keeps going on is because no one then, once you say, not man, not woman, everything's on the table. Now, people would cringe at the idea that you would include pedophilia in that. But I ask you, where is the moral authority by which you would say to the pedophile he cannot add his P to the LGBTQ? Oh, it's coming. It's already happening. You have no basis to tell him no. You have no basis to tell anybody anything. Once and we move away, foundations removed. That's it. You you have no basis. Now you cannot say to him, and people would cringe at the idea, just as people still cringe at the idea of adultery. They cringe at the idea of polygamy. They they cringe at the idea of people having so many different wives and so forth. But at the same time, what foundation do you have to say no to them? And see, that is the that is the real problem because we 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 want to shake God off. We just want to we want to toss it off. <laughs> we don't we don't want to wear what He's given us to wear. We, we want to live within our own little framework, but it's going to create a never-ending cycle of abuse, misuse, and a lack of identity, and to the point we're just going to consume each other because nobody is going to have the moral grounds by which to tell anybody else what they can and cannot do. And you can't make feelings your authority, feelings the, the seat of authority for what is right, because your feelings change from one day to the next. And so this whole issue, this whole issue, like you said, it's about attacking the idea of that things are, the truths are absolute. And we want to instead live in a very fluid moral uh, construct. We want things to be fluid. We can kind of take things or leave them. I, I mentioned it last night in, in my message. We've gotten into we've gotten into living a hyphenated existence. That is to say, we, we're we're trying to always go both and, and we think in some kind of way that means we've evolved. That we're really we're smart now. We we're striking a balance now, and we we we're we're looking at being able to live in two different worlds and really having a balance. First of all, being honest with myself and keeping it real with myself and acknowledging a certain amount of moral uh, authority or necessity for morals and more a moral construct and we can't do that you 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 cannot live that way you either have to accept it god's way or you're going to accept a way that has no boundaries there's nowhere to draw, redraw the line there's nowhere to stop it there's nowhere to say no we can't go that far because we move away from the absolutes that god gives us You've lost all authority to be able to tell anybody else what they can and can't do. Well, one of the issues, though, that we have today is we've allowed that thing to become a tidal wave now. And, you know, all of these things, people have been struggling with lifestyles and struggling with all these things since Genesis. But they were always opposed. They were always known to be against God's ways and his rules. That's why God would always raise up a righteous standard against it. And then I deal with being an American for 51 years of my life. I've seen things, as you know, growing up, we see things, you know, in different people, different lifestyles, different issues. But for 50 years of my life, or I'll say, let me just say about for 40 years, we still knew what was right, what was wrong. We still know what, none of these things were legalized. None mm -hmm. of these things were 
were were considered right. None of these things were considered acceptable. Sure. We just knew that there were people struggling. They needed help. We're here to help them. We don't shun them. We don't treat them any different. We love them the same, but it was never acceptable. Mm-hmm. What is happening now is with the constant chipping away of the foundation, we've allowed this thing to get to the point. And then when you've got the media and you've got entertainment and you've got all of these people of influence coming out saying that this is normal, this is acceptable, all the all the famous quote unquote famous people. Have you noticed there hasn't been any major famous people able to speak out against this kind of stuff? They're all in cahoots. A ton of bricks fall on you. (laughs) Right. They're all, why? Number one, because most of these people don't have a God consciousness to even know. But number two is we've allowed it to get to a point where now if you say something about it, you're going to have a backlash. And you've got people that are afraid of the backlash because it has gotten to the point now. And then with the what the Supreme Court just did, now that there are civil rights protections under it, that's not just going to only be in the workplace. You know the devil is not going to play that. He's going to try to move that wherever he can, where you can't say anything or anything that that appears to be discriminatory against people with that kind of lifestyle and that type of movement. And so I want to be very clear again, because people are always clicking on, clicking off what we're talking about. We're not talking about not loving people who struggle with their male identity or female identity. We're talking about protecting the foundation that God created only two genders. There is male and female. And that foundation cannot be removed because a person struggles. That foundation cannot be removed because of some politicians voted. That foundation cannot be removed because society has accepted it. And, and why? Because we care about the house. That's why we can't let you tear up the foundation. Because the house yeah. is coming down. And mm-hmm. so if we lose that man and we lose that woman, then here we go. What is the mm-hmm. child I grew up with? The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go, not the way they want to go. Not the way society says they can go. Your assignment, that's why you got to have the man. That's why you got to have the woman. Yes, sir. So now train up the child in the way and pastor when you see what is happening with our kids and them being introduced to these things so small to normalize and accept it and then they're trying to teach it to our children at the ages of four and five and six and seven Man, we got to make our stand as the church. I mean, we we got to because if we lose, we have lost the family, and that's mm-hmm. what Satan is after. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it, man. And it, it it has to be. And like you said earlier, all of this is going to be based upon the capacity the church has for um, yeah, 
giving in <laughs> and, and really whether or not we have a backbone, whether or not we have a living faith, whether or not we have truth. And, and just because, you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a little bit, because see, one of the things that is used to really prosecute the church and push it back into a corner is this idea of being um, homophobic or being abusive uh, to people. And, and then the history of of discrimination along racial lines and other things. And so people, what people will do is they will bring up the sins and they will try to use those sins to guilt people into capitulating to some new idea, new agenda that they want to move forward. And to the degree that the church feels guilty, to the degree that the church allows themselves to be condemned by their imperfections, will be the degree to which they give space to these new uh, movements and ideas. Uh, and, and a lot of times people sit back and because they feel guilty, they, they, they won't say anything because they, they, they think, well, you know, all sin is, is sin and, and that's true, sin is sin. But there are certain sins and there are certain things that are done that it's not even really about the sin, it's about trying to unseat truth itself. Right. Trying right. to unseat uh, once again, as I said, absolutes, that there is such a thing as absolutes. And yeah, once you, you do that. You don't have no problem with the sin. Yeah. But try to change the truth yes. because of yes. your sin is where we have an issue. Absolutely. You know, I, I have no problem with you talking about the imperfections. I have no problem with us growing up spiritually. I have no problem with us having to deal with the, the warts and the, the cracks, crinkles and whatnot. But how can we deal with those things if we move the line by which we're judged, you see, people will hold very steady the line of the scripture when it comes to loving my neighbor. So any type of violation along racial lines, any type of violation along class lines, any type of violation along socioeconomic mm -hmm. lines, we're like, but the Bible says and we're guilty and we need to repent. And, and if somebody is even in adultery, which is just another form of sexual uh, uh, right. involvement, perversion, expression, you name it, we'll hold the line tight up on adultery. You can't cheat on your wife. You're sleeping around. That that needs to stop. But now when it comes to other certain things, we become very selective. Right. <laughs> and, we, and we start to move that line over a little bit. And we start allowing things because we, as you said, we lack the courage to realize that love stands. Love is not this open-ended idea where I just accept any and everything. Love says I accept you, but I separate my love for you from the lifestyle or what is done, right? And that, and that is the nature of it. And, and we have to recognize we cannot allow this attack upon those absolutes just because we're feeling guilty are we feeling like, yeah, we're not perfect or we need to do this, that or the other? Because I, I see them as totally different things. It's one thing to be working through imperfections and, and maturing and growing in righteousness. Oh, absolutely. There's a whole yeah. other thing to accept something that's going to undermine the very premise that your whole faith is based on. Absolutely. And listen, as we get ready to close here, here's the thing I want to get across. And if you just join the conversation, we're talking about Garden of Foundations. And I, I feel, and, and, I, and I have this by biblical knowledge, the erosions you see in society today, 
the, uh, whether you're talking about all of these issues with race or you're talking about these issues with lawlessness, rioting, you're talking about all of these issues, you know, with all these movements, you know, uh, that we're discussing trying to strip the identity of a male and a female and children and all this can go back to one thing. And it amazes me how whenever we have these conversations, we start talking about the government and we start talking, talking about politics and politicians. And, and I don't know why the church uh, has gotten their eye off of what we have been sent into the earth to do. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. No politician is going to fix this. No, no politicians are going to change any of these things. I'm going to tell you from poverty on down, if you want to fix it, we keep talking about system. We got to change the systems. Well, let me tell you the first system we got to change. And that's the system that God set up in Genesis chapter number one, that we have got to have men to become men of God again in the image and likeness of God. And we need males to become men and we need females to become women and raise children out of that union. Until mm -hmm. we get back to that, you can fuss and fight about all the things we want to fuss and fight about, but nobody's smarter than God. If you mm -hmm. go back and seek first the kingdom, what did God say? And get in alignment with God. We can fix all of society by returning back to the discarded values of the past. And in all of this progressive stuff that we're doing, if we start shifting foundations in the middle of this, no matter what we do, nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to be better. And until we get that family unit back, until we get that back intact, until we get a man that becomes a husband and becomes a father in his place and a woman that becomes a wife and becomes a mother in that place and a child that is raised with that balance of the image of God in their life and being raised in righteousness and the right way to go. We're not going to fix any of this. And so my issue is to pull the church back. What, no, here is the answer. Get back to the foundations, because if we build it on a rock, when the rains come and the winds blow, then it'll stand. What we're seeing is a collapse of everything in the earth because that family structure is collapsing, whether it's men not being responsible and men not standing for righteousness, women not standing for righteousness, raising our children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. You see these riots and protests and all those things out there. Most of that is a generation that hadn't been parented. That's just the, that's just the bottom line. That's oh, yeah. point blank. That's just it. <laughs> that's, that's why they have time to be rebellious and break laws and violate things and all that. Because you're looking at a fatherless, unparented generation that is on the streets right now. And they don't have the conscience of being raised in righteousness. They don't have the foundation 
to know what respect and honor and all of that is about. And so we're in a crisis mode and I refuse to allow the church to look outside of all of these other issues. I overlook, I mean, I mean, look outside mm -hmm. yeah. to all of these issues and not look at one thing This starts with the man mm. that becomes a husband and a father. And yeah. it starts with a wife that becomes a woman and a mother and get that structure back and we're going to have to address some things to protect the foundation because he's come after that family where most of the kids, 70% of the kids are not even born in the African-American community today, even born into any type of family structure. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to have to address that. We, we can't just turn around that because that's, you know that's the start of so many issues. And if we really want, we really want to fix these things from the prison pipeline to the crime to all of these things, if we really want it changed, then we got to get back to the structure that God laid in the book of Genesis. And I am sold out <laughs> to starting to preach it and teach it. It's not going to be popular because we've allowed the society to get so far, but it will be biblical. And it will oh, be yeah. righteous. And those that will build on that foundation will have a great life. And so, bro, I'm going to let you close it out. And um, thank you all that are watching. And um, and please share this. This kind of information the enemy doesn't want out. And I know it's got technical issues all in it. But that's past Iron's fault. We'll fix that next week. <laughs> but go ahead and close that out, bro. Well, no, I think you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when God created man in the beginning and he told, he, he created Adam first. And of course he takes out Eve. He says to them, have dominion over everything on the earth. And he tells them and subdue it. And one of the things that people fail to realize is that the family unit has a subduing effect upon civilization. It has, a, it has a way in which it keeps down certain conflict and issues. And when you lose it, I, I liken it to a dam breaking. Once that dam breaks, because that's what the family is, once that dam breaks, you can't then tell the water where to go, where to flow, or what to destroy or not. Uh, and so you look at all of our institutions. You look at the, the penal institution. You look at, at, at crime. You look education. at government. You look at education. You look at even in, in the areas of business and finance, you look even in the arts. All of these institutions are suffering because the family unit is broken and many of them are overstretching themselves to deal with a generation of unparented children. You bring up statistics about what's going on in, in, the, uh, in our community, in the black community, and now we've gotten to the point now where it's, it's no longer localized to, to the black community because now in the white community, illegitimacy is, is skyrocketing. Yeah. They're closer, they're knocking on 40%. You're seeing rate, higher rates of divorce and, and, and family breakdown. You're seeing this social de-evolution where everybody seems to be, I call it the race to the bottom, where the, the influence and the incentive in a society used to be that people wanted to move up. Now you see people who are in affluent positions with behavior that is just gutter. 
It's like everybody's racing to the bottom. We're, we're being reduced to our lowest common denominator that people don't seem to want to aspire to something greater. And if they do, they're kind of, uh, they're, they're demonized as being bougie, bougie or, or they're, they're, they're elitist or so forth and so on. And there's like this demonizing of success. And so we really have to recognize that that has its roots in the breakdown of the family because it is that family unit that is that mechanism for the transference of what I call generational wealth. People are always talking about, you know, in our community and, and in others, you know, how do we build generational wealth? How do we have generational wealth? Well, how are you going to have generational wealth without the mechanism of the family? You, you can't have it. You can't have it because in every generation, a child is having to start from scratch because he hasn't had an adequate foundation laid from a solid home. So, so he or she starts from scratch. And every generation is having to start from scratch. And some of them, some of the environments they grew up in, they're not even starting from scratch. Some of these children are starting from way behind because of drugs and all kinds of different things that are introduced to their lives very early. And so we, we are, we're losing society because we've simply lost the family. And it goes exactly with what you say. When we, re, when we return to that subduing element of the nuclear family, we will see things systemically as a result of that begin to change and trend in a more positive direction. And people will, will reduce that down to being just a simplistic answer to a very complex issue. But at the end of the day, you can call but it simplistic if you want to. It's, it's the true. It's it is the true. Oh, it's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. And there's nothing that anybody, nobody's smarter than God. No, <laughs> and I'm going to keep that. Nobody's smarter than God. Listen, we like to keep these conversations about 45 minutes. Please share this. I'm sorry. Once again, for the technical um, difficulties, we'll try to make sure we get that fixed. Um, going forward. And listen, I want you to share this information because you're not going to hear a lot of people really, really talking about this with this type of honesty and accuracy, but we've got to. We're, we're, we're about to lose the whole family structure and the whole identity of a male and a female and a boy and a girl. No, we can't do it. We got to fight for the foundations. And so listen, you be blessed and we will see you next week with more Kingdom Conversations. And this is Ivern and Isaac. And please share this. Okay. Thank you again for watching. Be blessed. I pray you were blessed by today's podcast. Take a moment and subscribe to it and review it and share it with someone else so that we can stay connected. Be blessed.